Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete and I'll be your host. So far in Get Flushed, we've talked about how to clean portable restrooms, but we haven't thought about the other side of that equation, when to clean them. Most restroom operators work to a fixed schedule. They drop a unit with the customer and they come back in a week's time to clean it. Sometimes they use a two-weekly cycle. I've even heard of clients asking for monthly cleans and there are others who like to be on demand. In other words, they'll call you when they think the toilet needs to be pumped. I want to ask what is the right interval, not just in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, but also in presenting the toilet in the best possible condition to the hirer and the end user. And are there any other alternatives to fixed interval cleaning? To start that conversation, we really need to start with blue, the toilet chemicals that keep the restroom smelling and looking clean. Back in Season 1, Episode 6, Tonya Ray from Serco told us that toilet chemicals typically have four main components. A fragrance to cover the smell, a dye to hide the waste, a detergent or surfactant to help break the waste down, and a biocide or disinfectant to kill bad germs. But what's the effective lifespan of those chemicals once they're exposed to human waste? Obviously, a number of variables will affect this. The dose or the amount of chemical that you put into the tank, the amount of water, which gives you then the dilution ratio, the outside temperature, warmer weather will degenerate the chemicals more quickly, and the level of use. High loads of waste will turn faster than the occasional use. In my experience, blue stays blue for about a week. After that, the colour turns green, the fragrance fades, and although you can't see it, the disinfectant or biocide will no longer do its job. You may get a couple of days grace either side, but by the time you get to two weeks from first use, the chemicals in most portable toilets will need to be replaced. The next factor to consider is the capacity of the holding tank. Most portable toilets hold around 60 US gallons or 230 litres. That's absolutely full to the brim. And of course there are exceptions. Formit toilets in Australia hold twice as much and many accessible units use a smaller tank that holds much less. But they offer more room inside the cabin for users that need a wheelchair or need assistance. When we prime a toilet with fresh water, the available capacity is obviously reduced. Adding 10 gallons of water leaves only 50 gallons of capacity. And in practical terms, waste paper and solids tend to form a mound that reaches the seat well before the liquid waste gets anywhere near the top of the tank. So how many times can a toilet actually be used before it's full? Well, the average person passes around 2 litres or half a gallon of pee and poo per day. That means that a portable toilet with a 60 gallon capacity, primed with 10 gallons of water, will hold waste from 100 people for one day before it's full. If we extrapolate the maths, 20 people using that portable toilet for their daily needs would typically fill it within five days. Another factor that determines when a toilet should be cleaned is the cleanliness or the dirtiness of the cabin. The static charge that accumulates on plastic tends to attract dirt and dust even if the toilet's not being used. And as soon as you add users or foot traffic, You get mud from dirty boots, greasy handprints, rubbish left on top of the tank and the floor, and of course, there's always someone who can't hit the target with their number ones or number twos. And when that happens, the unit will need to be cleaned or taken out of service until a technician can arrive. I'm happy to admit that I used a simple and naive calculation to work out how many uses a toilet can hold, but I think you get my point. And that simple equation, coupled with my experience as a pumper, makes me think that a week between cleans is actually about right. 
The only exception would be on sites with fewer users or those in cooler climates that can often last for two weeks. But anything longer leaves too much to chance and leads to a much less pleasant restroom experience for the end user. The main advantage of running weekly or even two weekly cleans is that it gives you a firm structure for the business. That only works if you plan properly and adjust the workload according to demand. It definitely makes sense to go north, south, east and west on different days of the week if you only have one truck. That will help to reduce unnecessary travel and it will keep down your costs. But one thing I've learned is that routes don't remain constant or static. Unless they're on a permanent site, portable toilets come and go as jobs start and finish. And the operators have virtually no control over the location of their next hire. The perpetual ebb and flow means that routes need to be constantly tweaked. While north, south, east and west might work today, shifting patterns might mean you need to run north, south, east and east in a month's time. And we see that when construction starts on a new subdivision and there's increased demand which leads to a higher density of toilets on site in one location. If you have multiple trucks in the business, it gets harder to plan routes. In fact, even with good software, I'd say it's pretty much a full-time role for at least one person in the office. Signs that your routes are out of balance is that drivers take much longer to complete a particular run compared to everyone else, or they trade jobs at pre-start to balance the route themselves. I'd try to avoid that because there's no formal record and the office can often be left without key information. But that said, the people with the most accurate information about the viability of a route, or whether a particular job needs to be switched to a different day, are the drivers themselves. And that means it's important to ask for their ideas and listen to their suggestions. Adopting fixed routes and fixed intervals between cleans means that the operator puts their company's needs before their customers' wants. And that makes sense. After all, the aim in business is to make a profit. So why wouldn't you reduce costs by optimising routes? Most clients will understand that that's the way you work. Where it could have an effect is when pickups, deliveries or cleans are time critical. And that usually happens when the job is about to start or finish or in high rise situations where you have to coordinate with a crane operator to get the units lowered to the ground for service. And if you keep those customers waiting, you're likely to cost them money and that could cause them to switch provider. That's a good segue into on-call or on-demand servicing. You meet some clients who say, I'll call you when the toilet needs a clean. In my experience, they're more trouble than they're worth. You see, they'll usually wait until the toilet is absolutely full to the brim or overflowing before they call you. And of course, they expect immediate service today, now. That will put the operator under undue stress. If they explain they can't come now, they're invariably met with howls of protest from the client. If they drop everything to attend, they disadvantage their loyal customers, the ones who pay them week in and week out for regular reliable service. Nobody in their right mind would jeopardise regular income for an occasional one-off job, especially when that late caller wants same-day service for the lowest possible price. My response to requests for on-call service is to offer it at a much higher price. I'm talking about $200 or $250 per call. Why? because that's what it takes for me to drop everything else to service that one client. A better alternative is to offer them a weekly clean at a regular price. If they won't accept that, I'd ask if you really want them as your customer. And I say that because it takes so much work to clean a toilet that hasn't been attended since who knows when. It takes longer to pump the tank that's full to the brim, and it takes longer to reach off weeks and months of dirt, grease and grime. 
Pumpers shouldn't feel too bad about raising their price or declining those occasional jobs, especially where that customer wants to hire one of your toilets. You wouldn't neglect the engine oil or the brakes on a car, and similarly, you shouldn't neglect the cleaning in a portable toilet. Loyal customers who value your service will understand and appreciate that, and they'll pay a fair rate. Now, I'm told that things are much more competitive in the restroom industry in Europe. Regular correspondents tell me that over there, the lowest price wins and customers often call the shots. I can believe that. I grew up in the UK when it was common for the culture in the workplace to be combative and adversarial. In that environment, it was unusual for people to work together. They always tried to get one over on somebody else. But it doesn't have to be that way. My experience in New Zealand, the reaction across the world to get flushed and the willingness of people in the industry to share ideas, opinions and information show that healthy and positive collaboration is possible. A couple of years ago, I worked with a telecommunications development team to build a remote sensor that could measure the remaining capacity in the tank of a portable toilet. The device was fitted inside the toilet and it measured the free space between the top of the tank and the waste. We tried two different methods, a laser and a sonic echo, a bit like a sonar. The results in the lab were really promising. The unit was mounted, the toilet was prepared for use, and the device was zeroed after we added 40 litres of water. As the amount of waste in the toilet was increased, the distance between the top of the liquid and the sensor went down, and we used an algorithm that converted that measurement into a percentage to show how much capacity was left in the tank. In theory, it was a winner, but in practice, we ran into lots of problems and the device failed to live up to our expectations, both in terms of reliability and accuracy. The first drama was caught by solid waste. You see, still water has a smooth surface and it reflects light from a laser or sound from a sonar really well. Poo and paper that floats on the surface is lumpy and it doesn't reflect the sound or the light. If solid matter floated under the beam of the measuring device, the sensors couldn't take a reading, and we couldn't find a way to make everything that was put into the toilet sink to the bottom. The second problem was caused by mounding. Heavy loads of paper and poo tend to form a pyramid or a mound directly beneath the user. That meant that the water level underneath the sensor was either obscured by the mound, or it didn't give an accurate indication of the volume of waste in the tank. A third problem was caused by the environment inside the portable toilet tank, which is incredibly hostile. It's wet and dark, it can include foul gas, and septic waste is most definitely corrosive. And in colder temperatures, moisture in the residual heat from septic waste caused condensation as the outside air temperature dropped. Now that happens in portable toilets all the time, but the condensation usually falls on the walls of the tank or even on the cabin, so it's not a problem but when we fitted the sensor, the condensation settled on the lens, and in a laser, that obscured the sight. Despite those problems, I'm still convinced that there was merit in our concept, but the execution and design needed much more work. Of course, none of the problems that beset our device happen with vacuum flushing units like Sanitrax. In fact, the Sanitrax tech module is able to record the number of flushes it performs, and because each flush uses a fixed volume of water, the operator can keep a very close eye on the level of use. A simpler and perhaps a more effective way to assess whether a portable toilet needs to be cleaned is to ask the user, and that's the benefit of AirVote. As we heard a few weeks ago, AirVote stickers feature three QR codes. When a restroom user holds up their phone to the sticker, the operator receives an automatic notification 
and if it's a negative reaction, the operator knows that the unit needs attention. The biggest challenge facing Airvote is persuading toilet goers to use it, but that's more about familiarity than anything else. We've seen QR codes being used all over the world in COVID tracing over the past year, and it's become a really common habit to check in with your phone when you enter shops or other facilities. And as Airvote becomes more widely deployed in portable restrooms, I think the same will happen. Users will become more comfortable and more willing to use it. While I said at the start that there were lots of reasons for operators to adopt fixed weekly cleaning regimes, the reality is that in most cases, it really doesn't matter if you clean the toilet after five, six, seven, eight or nine days. And having flexible sliding schedules is a good way to balance those urgent requests with regular jobs. I'll give you an example. Imagine that your driver would normally visit the western suburbs on Wednesday and the southern suburbs on Thursday. Late on Tuesday afternoon, you get an urgent request for a toilet to be delivered to the south side of town on Wednesday. A shopkeeper has had a catastrophe. Their bathroom is out of order and they need a restroom before the store opens at 9am on Wednesday morning. Now you could make a one-off trip south to make that delivery first thing on Wednesday, then head west to complete your scheduled run. Or you could swap Thursday's jobs on the south side to Wednesday, make the delivery and carry on to service all of the south side toilets. That would save you driving all the way back across town because you do the western toilets on Thursday instead and they're not going to suffer for the sake of a one-day delay. Now I'm not aware that commercially available software allows that level of tweaking and flexibility but it would make perfect sense to make those types of changes in real time. In next week's show, I'll be talking to Chelsea Wald, an award-winning science and environmental writer from the United States who's now based in the Netherlands. Chelsea has written and released a new book called Pipe Dreams, The Global Quest to Transform the Toilet. The blurb for the book says that Pipe Dreams daringly profiles the growing army of scientists, engineers, philanthropists, entrepreneurs and activists worldwide who are overcoming their aversions and focusing their formidable skills on making toilets accessible and healthier for all. The reviews for Pipe Dreams are really good and I enjoyed a great conversation with Chelsea about toilets, technology and the global sanitation debate. I'm really looking forward to sharing that episode with you all next week. And if you'd like to read Pipe Dreams, it will be available in your local bookshop, through Amazon and from online bookstores. I've also put a link to Chelsea's bookstore in the notes for this week's show. In other news, the sanitation conversation on Clubhouse is really taking off with the addition of a weekend meeting alongside our regular Wednesday evening call in the US. The conversation is for and by anyone with an interest in sanitation, whether they're operators, event organisers, suppliers, pump truck drivers, haulers or even toilet users. The level of discussion and debate has been really compelling as more and more people join in. Now, if you're not aware of Clubhouse, it's an online audio app that allows users to meet and talk in real time. It's a free app, but it's only available on iOS, so you do need to be an iPhone user. And you also have to be invited to join. Now, the good news is we've got plenty of invites to share, so please get in touch if you'd like to join. Again, I'll put a link in the notes for today's show so that you can follow me on Clubhouse and be notified when the next instalment of the sanitation conversation takes place. Okay, that's all I've got time for this week. Please remember to follow or subscribe to Get Flushed on your podcast app so that you get every episode delivered direct to your device. And please remind your family, friends, colleagues, customers and anyone else who you meet to listen to the show. 
And why not visit our Patreon page to secure early access to each episode and bonus material that's not available anywhere else. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast 